Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. All right, so I, I hope and pray that because of this short message series that, that we're in that these last two weeks now, that, that God spurs some of you to get married. Uh, I do. I hope that God uses this to inspire some of you to get married, and I hope and pray that some of you that are dating would actually break up because of this message series. And, and that sounds kind of heartless. Don't mean, I don't really mean to be funny with that. I, I, I think that the reason that you, you may need to break up is because you can't marry the right person if you're dating the wrong person, right? And, and we're gonna, uh, we, we got into some heavy stuff last week. Um, uh, we'll see where it leads today. This message series we're calling Save the Date. And we're talking about uh, dating and sex and marriage and relationships and all the stuff. And, and um, we're hopefully talking about uh, things that you want to talk about, questions that, that people, uh, pretty common questions that people have. We're trying to address the, the answers to those. And one of the questions that a lot of people have about marriage is, how do I find the right person to marry? How do I find the right person? Which is a good question because admittedly, dating is a little bit different today than it was back in the old days, right? You know, when I was a, a teenager, a young man trying uh, to figure dating out, um, you typically just asked somebody to date or you had your friend do it for you, uh, depending on how old you were, right? But um, today, it's, it's, a, it's a new world we live in, right? Do you, so how do you do it? Do you just slide up into somebody's DMs at, at, you know, and, hey, are you up? Can we talk? Do you want to go out? Do you do it that way? Do you, uh, do you get the, the, a dating app and do the swipe thing? And, unless swiping is not Christian, I'm not sure. In, instead, you could maybe go to Christian Mingle and do, do, do the dating app thing. And you might have Pastor Brett pray a special anointing prayer over your, you know, your dating app so that you find the right person that way. Um, you could go into your life group and, and, and you, know, you pray and you put on some spiritual cologne and you, you walk up into your, your life group to someone that's cute and, and, and say, you know, you're a nine out of 10 and I'm the one you're looking for. And do you do that? Let me give you a tip. Don't do that. Uh, because if you're only a one and the scale is one out of 10, she don't want you, right? Uh, but the, the question that so many people ask, and, and it's not a bad question, they ask, how do I find the right person? And what we want to do this morning is suggest that maybe <clears throat> there's a more important question or a better question to ask. Instead of saying, how do I find the right person? I would suggest you start with asking, how do I become the right person? How do I become the right person? And the reason that this matters is you don't typically attract what you want. You attract what you are. Now, that may sound a little bit harsh, but at the end of the day, you may want one thing, but you generally tend to attract what you are more than you attract what you want. In fact, I'm reminded of a story that's all too, all too common. You, you will have seen this in the world a lot of times. Maybe you've noticed that Christian kids that are raised in maybe a little more strict Christian home, they will go off to college or whatever, and they get a little bit wild. It's not uncommon. And there, there was this uh, girl that was, uh, she was a Christian, raised in a strong Christian home. She left for college. She got sucked into the party life in college, and a couple years into the party life, she met a great Christian guy and came home and said, Mom, this guy's amazing. He's everything I've, I've, I've ever wanted. He's on fire for Jesus. He's a spiritual leader. He's respectful, and he's cute. And this is the guy that I, 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 I think I want to marry. And the mom looked on, and not in a harsh way, but in a truthful way, 
said, sweetheart, you need to understand that a guy like that is probably not looking for a girl like you. In other words, the way that you're living right now isn't going to attract someone who's following Jesus. Am I the only one that hears that? What is that? Okay. Um, the way that you live your life right now isn't going to attract someone who's following Jesus because you don't just attract uh, what you want, you attract who you are. I like the way Andy Stanley said it uh, when he said, a good goal would be to become the type of person the person you're looking for is looking for, right? Become the type of person that the person you're looking for is looking for, and that's why we titled today's message, The Three Qualities That You Need Before Marriage. So if you would, pray with me before we dive into this. God, we thank you that you are the God of relationships, that you created us to know you, to love you, and to be loved by you. And we thank you that the greatest of all things is love. Help us in all, our, all of our relationships to show your love. And God, if you would draw us and call us to marriage, would you draw us and call us to a marriage that honors you? We submit our hearts to you, asking for your perfect will and your perfect love. And we pray this in your perfect name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so let's dive in. When it comes to, to dating relationships, there, there, there is often a lot of conflicting messages out in the world. How do you do things well? For example, you might have a youth pastor that would, that would coach your kids and say, hey, you know, you should court and not date because dating's not in the Bible, and you hear that message, and then you watch The Bachelor, and The Bachelor teaches you that you can casually date, make out with five people, fall in love with two, give the rose to one, and break up three months after the show's over, right? And you, you take that message in, and then you, you might listen to a, a one pastor that tells you with good intentions, hey, make a list of everything that you're looking for in, in another person, and then another pastor it w will tell you, nope, hey, just rip that, just <laughs> go ahead and rip that list up. And then you might have, it's like, well, what do I do? You might have three friends that tell you that you should use dating apps, and then you have three other friends that, that tell you that you're not trusting God if you're using dating apps. And it can be incredibly confusing. And so I would suggest this morning that instead of going to our friends or, or just going to TikTok to learn or The Bachelor to learn how to have good relationships, that we instead go to the one who created relationships who created marriage and get wisdom from the one who loves us most so first corinthians 7 is where we'll start today and this is a chapter that's all about relationships uh, and and I, I think when when culture often tells us that the big win for people in life is to be married like our that our purpose is marriage we're going to see that that paul actually shows up shows us that uh, being married is not our purpose. Being married is not the, our end-all, be-all goal. In fact, if you look at Scripture, you're going to see that John the Baptist, the, the, the person who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus, wasn't married. The Apostle Paul, who preached about Jesus and wrote about half of the New Testament, wasn't married. And Jesus, who was Jesus, himself wasn't married. And so God's biggest dream for us is not that we get married. And Paul said it this way in verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> he said, I wish that all of you were as I am. So remember, Paul was unmarried. He says, but each of you has your own gift from God. And so now he's talking about that gift. He says, one has this gift, another has that. 
Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say it's good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Essentially, what Paul is saying is that singleness is a gift for people. And, and some of you are like, well, could I exchange that gift? Is there a gift receipt for that gift? Because I'm not feeling it. But he goes on to say, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. And in other words, if you don't have a spouse, what, what's happening is you don't have anyone dividing your, your, your devotions, but you can give your life wholly unto the Lord. Essentially what he's saying is this, that being married is not our purpose in life. So you might ask the question then, well, well what is our purpose? Our purpose in life is to live with undivided devotion to Jesus, right? That's our purpose. So in, instead of just looking for the right person, what we want to do is let God help us to become the right person. And I want to show you this morning three qualities in Scripture that we want to let God work in us so that we would become these three things. What do we want to become? We want to, with God's help, we want to be secure in Christ. The second thing we want to be is to be strong in character. The third thing is we want to be planted in community. So you guys can participate with me this morning. I know you all love doing this. We're going to say this aloud together. The three things that we want to be are, number one, secure in Christ, strong in character, and planted in community. So we're going to talk about these one at a time. Instead of just looking for the right person, let's become the right person. And the right person is going to be, number one, secure in Christ. What do we know? If you want to end up married and happy, you start single and secure. If you want to end up in a blessed relationship, we're not looking for the relationship to fulfill us. We first find our fulfillment and our security in Christ Jesus. And the reason that this is so important, I don't know if any of you have ever dated an insecure person. Maybe if you have, just raise your hand just a little bit. Let's see. Anybody? They're out there. If they're with you right now, don't elbow them because that'll just make them more insecure. What happens is when, when someone's insecure, this... This, this thing just kind of bleeds out of them, and they're just, they're, what they really want to know is, do you like me? Do you like me? Wh where were you? Who are you texting? Um, what are you looking at on your phone? Were you looking at her? Were you looking at him? Where, you know, what are you doing? And here's the challenge. When it comes to relationships, insecure people, they need more, and they settle for less. Insecure people need more because they're always looking for outside reassurance from the, from the people or the person that they're with. Validate me. Please make me feel special. Tell me that I'm worthy. Tell me that you like me because they always need to have this outside reassurance. They're looking for meaning in relationships, in the dating, and they have to have someone, and then when they get to someone, man, they just squeeze everything they can out of that person. And because they have to have someone, often they settle for whoever's available. In fact, I'll use some of the, I'm going to use some famous love quotes from movies to illustrate the point. These are some of the best love quotes you'll, you'll see. This one actually is from one of my favorite uh, romantic movies, The Notebook. You've got Noah, this famous quote where he looks at his love and he says, No matter what happens to us, every day with you is the best day of my life. Which is kind of cheesy. And then you get the Titanic. This is a really powerful one. Uh, you've got, the quote goes like this, Rose says to Jack, who's about to die, if you've seen the movie, uh, he's hang, hanging onto the log, and she says, I'll never let go. I promise. And then she lets go. She does. And I'm looking at the movie going like, Rose, there was room on the log for Jack. Get him on the log. But nevertheless, we, we've got the quote. 
And then this is perhaps from one of the, this is one of Tom Cruise's um, movies. It's, it's an older one. Jerry Maguire. He looks across at his love, Renee Zellweger, and he says, you complete me. It's famous. It's a famous line from that movie. You complete me. You're what I need in life. You complete me. And this is the message that so many people wrongly believe. I, I, I say all that to tell you that marriage doesn't complete you. Christ and Christ alone completes you. Marriage never makes you whole. Jesus alone makes you whole. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He said, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been made complete in Christ. The challenge is for us, everywhere we go, we hear a, 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 a message in culture that is counter to what Paul just shared with us. The predominant cultural message is you can't be happy without your soulmate. Even in the church, we inadvertently, without meaning to, the church can sometimes imply that you aren't complete until you're married, that you're a second-class citizen if you're not married. And once you get married, then you can come play in the big leagues with all the more godly people, and then the devil sits on your shoulder and will whisper in your, in your ear that if you're not married, there must be something wrong with you. Right? If you're not married, there must be something wrong. And, and if no one's told you in a long time, can I just tell you this morning that you are valuable. You have indescribable um, worth in your life. You are complete in Christ because of God's love for you and the perfect work of Jesus on the cross. And that's why you don't have to take and lower your standards because you're already complete. You don't have to compromise your values to settle for less when someone asks you to do something outside of, of your, your standards. You don't have to trade your body to get love. To quote the famous theologian Beyonce, if you liked it, you should have put a ring on it, right? You, you don't have to lower your standards when you are secure in Christ. I'm not half a person looking for another half a person to make me whole because of who Jesus is in me, his work and his grace and his forgiveness. I'm complete. I'm whole. Single is a whole number. You're complete in Christ. Here's the challenge. Insecure people, they need more and they settle for less. But secure people need less and expect more. They need less and expect more. And you, you might say, well, I, Ryan, I've got pretty high standards. Well, good for you. You should have pretty high standards when it comes to dating and, and finding the right person. When, but when, you know, when you're secure, you're going to have really high standards. In fact, it's funny to me, people will, sometimes I'll get asked this, you know, when another guy asks another guy, like, how did you get a girl like that? Guys generally take it as a compliment, right? We, 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 and the answer might be, well, I just outkicked my coverage. That's a pretty common answer. And uh, this never works when, when, a, when a woman asks another woman, how did a scrawny-legged thing like you get a good-looking guy like that? It's generally not taken as a compliment. But guys, when we hear that, we, we generally take it as a compliment. And uh, to prove the point, I want to show you a picture of a couple of babies. We were not 12 in that picture. But man, we were long, we were young. This other picture, you, so when you know us, you ask, people will say, Ryan, how did a guy like you get a girl like that? And I'll say, I outkicked my coverage. You know, it's a compliment. Um, how, how did, but in all seriousness, how, you, you just take this as a humble brag, whatever. 
It's, it's like, well, how did that couple, the young married couple, take and turn their marriage into a marriage that honors God? It's not because I'm smart, not because of how I look, not because I had money, because we didn't have any money when we got married. Most people don't, you know. Uh, when, in fact, when, when we got married, I wasn't even a Christian. Lori, had, uh, Lori was a Christian uh, in high school and then went off to college and, and got busy, got distracted. And then we met, fell in love, got married, and it, she was like, you know what, that was, it's really important to me. I want to go back to church. I want to get re, uh, real serious with my faith. And she came to Cross Lane, and eventually I came with her. And after a, a couple of, uh, of years, uh, I gave my life to Christ. And Lori got really serious about growing her relationship with Jesus. And what happens is, I had been changed by Jesus, transformed by him, was in love with Jesus, became secure in Christ and who I was, and just believed together with this girl that I'm now connected to that together we can better serve Jesus than we ever could apart. She doesn't complete me. I don't complete her. I'm complete and fulfilled in Christ. And that confidence and calling is attractive to her and who she is in Christ is attractive to me and you recognize that when you've been forgiven by God and you're called by God and you're chosen by God that you're special you don't have to be insecure and I don't need to settle for someone who's not doing that I'm secure in Christ so I expect more what happens is your standards go up and because of that you become attractive and a magnet and you start attracting the right kind of person because at the end of the day, our purpose is not to get married. I don't need someone to make me whole. Our, our purpose isn't getting married. Our purpose in life is to live wholly devoted to Jesus. So how do we find the right person? No, a better question is how do we become the right person? So number one, we want to we be secure in Christ. The second thing is with God's help, we want to be strong in character. Um. Some of you, we've seen this lived out in the world around us. Maybe this is your story. Um, maybe you're doing this right now. I don't know. We, but we, we, we've certainly seen it happen. We, we've had a, a friend or someone that we know that is, is they're, they're, they're not married right now, and they're just they're living the, the life, right? They're, doing, they're like, I'll do whatever I want right now. It's party time, right? I'm going to go. I'll settle down later on. I'll go to church later on. I'll, I'll, I'll give my life to Jesus later on. But right now, it's party time. Maybe I'll settle down at some point. And I, I just want to remind us this morning that you, you don't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. What, what you're doing today matters. That ought to get an amen. What, what, what you're doing today matters, and, and today will impact your tomorrow every single time. We want to be strong in character today. So what does that look like? Well, what, what does strong character look like? I love these five qualities that, that Paul highlights for his, Tim, uh, his protege Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. If you want growing character, grow in these five traits. He says, set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We can look at it that way on the screen. We want to be wholly devoted to Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll put it maybe in some words that we would use today. We want to be wholly devoted to Jesus with the words that we speak. How's your character? What, you know, well, I would say what comes out of your mouth, you guys know this, what comes out of your mouth reflects what's in your heart, right? Are you speaking words of life, words of faith, words that are God-honoring in your life, or do you sound like a TVMA Netflix show? 
What are the words that you use to speak? Secondly, we want to look at our behavior. How is it that we live? What is it that we do? We also want to look at the way that we're loving other people, loving one another. The greatest commandment, remember, is, is loving God and loving our neighbor. How are we doing at that? Do we treat others with the love of God or do we treat others with judgment and, and narrow-mindedness? We want to grow in our faith, our faith in Jesus. We're, we're living a life centered around Jesus and then our, our character always represents our purity or we might also say our, our sexual integrity. And a lot of times when we're single, we're, we're attracted to people and you might, think, you, might be, you might be struggling with a lust problem and, and, and I've heard people say, well, once I get married, I won't have the lust problem anymore. And listen, marriage, the, the problem with being married and having a lust problem is you're a lust problem with a ring on, on your finger, right? Mar- it, marriage does not solve your lust problem. So what, what we want to do is before we're married, we want to be developing a strong character, our, our foundation inside of us that we're becoming pure. We're looking at, at our lives saying, search me, O God, find any way that is offensive and root it out. And, and lead me in your paths of righteousness. In other words, if, if you want to marry someone with strong character, develop a strong character in your own life. Let God work in you. We're not cleaning up later in life when real life happens. Like today is real life. Who you are today impacts the people that you're around. That's a foundation that you're building on. Do you, do you, do you want to marry someone with strong character? then let God be building your character today because you don't attract what you want, you attract who you already are. So what are we going to do? We're going to let God work on our lives with His help. We're going to be secure in Christ. We're going to be strong in character. And the third one is we're going to be planted in community. If you want a relationship that's strong and God-honoring, it is impossible to describe just how much your friends and your community matters. People sometimes will ask me, Ryan, hey, what do you think about our relationship? Like, students when they're dating um, they, they want my opinion on, on you know this other person and people sometimes will ask me hey what do you think and one of the first places I'll look at is their friends it's really interesting too when you go to a wedding when you look at the wedding party the, the bridesmaids and, and and the groomsmen right and I'll just tell you that group of people is a very strong predictor of the the spiritual success of that couple's marriage right what did they do the night before is an incredibly strong predictor. Did they go to the strip club? Did they get wasted? Um, the, the odds of that marriage working is nothing like a couple that's making God a priority in their lives, making it a priority to pray together and study God's word together and serve together. And, and Because who, you guys know this, who you are with is a reflection of who you are, right? The, the friendships that you hang around are a mirror. I'll say it this way. That the strength of your community will shape the quality of your marriage every single time. The, the strength of your community, it'll shape the quality of your marriage. You could say this a million different ways. Show me your friends, you guys know what comes next. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? Proverbs 13.20 speaks into this. It says, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. But a companion of fools, what's that get you? A companion of fools suffers harm. What I found is when, when I became a follower of Jesus, or, or maybe leading up to that, I, I, I didn't have a lot of great marriages to look around to, to, uh, in my life. I just didn't. Um, there was a couple, 
But I, I, I recognize pretty early on one of the most important things that Lori and I could do is surround ourselves with some people that would model and mentor what marriage would be. And so as Lori and I got real serious about growing our faith and strengthening our marriage, we started learning from other couples at church who had strong relationships, strong God-honoring marriages. Tracy and Julie Sutliff were one of the first people that we met, got invited to go to a Bible study with them, started hanging with them, learning from them. Um, became great friends with Kyle and Stephanie Nelson, two, two people in our life today that we still, they're younger than us, but we learn from them how, how, to, how to do life, how to, how to be married. Uh, Ron and Joyce Redinger, Joyce is, is past us, she's passed on now, but Ron is an elder at this church, has been for a long time, and started rubbing elbows with that dude and just, I mean, just learned so much from watching him be married to his wife. Got some great friends that were in the first service, Jim and Diane Hansen, two godly people that Lori and I have become great friends with. And man, we just spend some time with them. And we ask him, when you spend time with people who are not perfect, but trying, they're working on this stuff, these three things that we're talking about today. You start asking them questions like, well, hey, how do you fight fair in your marriage? What about finances? How do you honor God? In, 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 in your marriage, with your finances? How do you raise your kids? We're having this problem with our kid. What, what would you do in that situation? And you start spending time with them, and the next thing you know, now their friend group opens up to you because you're friends with them. Then these other people they're hanging out with sometimes become your friends. And now you've got this community of friends with mostly strong marriages. It's not that we don't have friends that don't have good marriages. We do, but in our core group, we tend, people, we tend to become like the people who we're around, right? So when you look at your closest friends today, um, when, when you look at our, Lori and I's closest friends today, they, they, they have very strong marriages, they are very, very good parents, they are physically healthy, they are planted in community, they are financially strong, and you might, you could throw an accusation, well, Ryan, you know, look at you hanging out with all the elite people, and, and, and actually, it, it's, just the, it's just the way it is. When you start hanging with these people and desire these relationships, you, 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 you just kind of become that way together because what was positive in their life became positive in our life, and what was positive in our life became positive in their life. And, like, if you could imagine my three closest friends, one's a porn addict, one can't relax without marijuana and beer, and, you know, one's, uh, one's cheated on his wife three times and had a DUI. Like, how much value do you think those people are going to be adding to my marriage? Because the bottom line is, in many ways, the life that you have is a result of the people that you surround yourself with. And so if you find yourself right now wanting to be marriageable, but you don't have great community, man, that's a great place to start, right? Like today, start developing the right support system. Get the right voices around you to support you and encourage you. Because one day, you're going to be married, and you're going to find your marriage in trouble, and you could go to the friend who's a knucklehead and say, man, I need help. I need advice. What would you do? And they're going to give you some crazy, you know, silly advice maybe. Like, you know, who do, you who do they think they are? You get back there and you give them the what for. You're right. They're wrong. Yada, yada, yada. Or that's a way to handle it, right? Or do you want to go to the godly friend who you, you air your, your problems looking to seek, uh, you're seeking advice. And, and they say, you know what, Ryan, let's pray about that. And now you get back there and you do the right thing. You know? 
The strength of your community will impact the quality of your marriage. So what do you want to do? Let's, let's not just look at these three things. We, we want to be the right person, but let's look at us. God, make me the right person. Who do I want to be? I, what, what I want to be is I want to be secure in Christ uh, Jesus, that he's my Lord and my Savior. He directs me. I want to be strong in character. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but I'm being perfected by the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I want to be planted in strong and spiritual community because the people of God are with the people of God. And so if that's what I want to be, then, then, what, what, then what am I looking for? What am I looking for in another person? The answer to that starts to become real clear. I'm looking for someone who is secure in Christ. This isn't someone that needs a relationship or needs validation or needs you to jump online and like their photo. This is someone who's confident in who they are in Christ. They're forgiven. They're strong. They probably have a ministry at church that they're serving in. They have a purpose. They have spiritual momentum in their life, and I like that. And they're strong in character because when half of the marriages in our world end in divorce, it's usually because there wasn't strong character and at least one of the people right and and i want to be strong in character and i want to be someone who's who's got that strong character and and man community matters more than i could imagine and so when i when i walk in with great uh prayerful godly friends and i see someone else who has um you know there's all sorts of friends who you know we we love people who are far from god but the core of my group, they're strong, they're spiritual people, they're walking with God in their lives. And I say, you know what, here's someone who is working in their life to be wholly devoted to God. And then those of you who are married, you might be sitting there thinking, well, Ryan, you know, that's all, that's good for people who aren't married, but man, I'm married, you know, what, what about us? Well, what do you want in your marriage? Like, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you want to be secure in who you are in Christ, right? Your spouse doesn't complete you. Christ already ha- ha- has completed you. And when you're, in, when you're strong in character, you're not looking over your shoulder, compromising and cutting corners in your, in your marriage because you've got a righteous foundation that strengthens your marriage and you're planted in community with these people. You don't just call yourself a Christian. You're a disciple of Christ. You're trying to live it out in your daily life. You've got people praying for you and you're praying for other people. You're involved in a, in a ministry and serving because that's important. And you don't just go to church every now and again you are the church. You're, the, you're a disciple of Jesus. And when these things are in place, the odds of a God-glorifying message go way, way up. And when they're not in place, the odds of a God-glorifying relationship come way, way down. So how do we find that right person? Do we slide up into their DMs? Do we swipe? Do we do that thing? Do we say, is it hot in here or is the Holy Spirit burning in you? No. What you do is you, you walk towards Jesus, you pursue Jesus with everything in your being, you walk towards his light, you just walk towards that light with everything that you are, and our, your purpose isn't to get married, your purpose is to be wholly devoted to Jesus, and you're walking towards Jesus, and as you're walking towards Jesus, every now and again you might look to your right or look to your left, and you're looking for someone else who's cute and walking towards Jesus, and you say, well, Ryan, don't be so shallow. Cute, really? Cute matters. Don't let anyone tell you that cute doesn't matter because they're walking with Jesus. You want to be attracted to them because you're going to have a fight one day. 
And when you're madder than all get out, at least you want to be able to look and think, well, at least you're cute. (laughs) Right? Right? And you're walking towards Jesus, and you find someone that's cute, and they're walking towards Jesus. And so you're walking towards Jesus, but you're walking a little bit closer to that person. And what you do is you find out when you get to know them, they're secure in Christ. And you start to get to know them better and you find, man, they've got great character and whoa, they've got awesome friends that are planted in deep spiritual community and you like them and you enjoy spending time with them and you're attracted to them and you ask yourself, can we better serve Jesus together than we can apart? And when you recognize that you can, you grab their hand and you walk to the aisle and you walk down the aisle and you just walk past the aisle and you keep walking towards Jesus and your verse together becomes, glorify the Lord with me. Together, let us exalt his name together. And that's when you get married. Because our purpose isn't to be married. Our purpose is to be wholly devoted to Jesus. So it's not how do I find the right person, but God, do a work in me. Do a work in me. And when you do a work in me, I'm going to become a magnet and I'm much more likely to attract a person that together we can better serve you. Cool? Let's pray. God, thank you for the, for the gift of relationship. Our friends and our family, and God, for the cute people that you, you bring into our lives that, that one day we, we end up maybe getting married. And I just pray for the single people in the room this morning, God, that you would do a work in their lives, that you would help them to begin to, to develop these three traits that we've looked at this morning that they would be secure in who they are in you God that they would have strong character and that they would be planted in a community of people that are great and trying to honor you in their own lives God for the the marriages that are represented in the room I just I'm thankful for the, for the good strong Christian marriages God the world needs to see more of that may people in the world that we rub elbows with maybe they don't understand who jesus is or how much he loves them but that they would look at our marriages and think there's something different going on there i want to get to know them and god as as we get to know these people we 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 invest in them and invite them to come to church and spend time with them and share knowledge with them and and just do life together thank you for the greatest of all things which is love God, we just we desire your love and we want to share it with the world around us. So help us to do that. God, bless our week. May we live our lives wholly devoted to you. We pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.